Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and I wasn't sure if we weren't going to hear the theme again. <laughs> but anyway, the switchboard is acting up a little bit, but uh, it looks like we're live now. And it looks like we're recording, and so everything seems to be working okay. We'll see how it goes from here. Uh, the uh, topic this morning was Romans 13, and we were looking at it again. And... and uh, I was bringing in a few elements that I don't commonly press in that whole Romans 13. We we have to understand Paul was uh, part of an actual government. That's what Christ was taking the kingdom away from the Pharisees. That's an actual government. And he was going to appoint it to these other men that he was calling out. Again, that's an actual government, <laughs> and, but it's not like the governments of the world who exercise authority one over the other. It operates entirely by faith, hope, and charity rather than force, fear, and violence. That's really pretty simple to understand. A lot of people don't want to understand it because they think that the church is about someplace to go on Sabbath or Sunday and be entertained by a minister for an hour, get a good feeling and head home and the wife's happy and the kids are all going with you. And, um, uh, you know, actually a few thoughts crossed my mind as to some things that people do after church. But that after church, what the heck is that? Church is not an event. Church is the called out. That's what it, every time you see it translated church in the Bible, they're translated from a Greek word that means the called out. There's the church in the wilderness that was the Levites who were called out by Moses and the church established by Jesus Christ who were the men that he called out and appointed the kingdom that he took away from the Pharisees. This is not another religious sect or a group, or something like that. It's actually a government. It's a government that operates by faith, hope, and charity, and that's the only kind of government you can have if you're going to be a free people. If you're going to have a government that operates by force, fear, and violence, and compelling the offerings of the people, then you're not in a free government. That is something else. That might be a socialist state. It might be an indirect democracy, a democracy, a constitutional republic. But it's not a free government. It may be freer. This one may be freer than that one. But it's not a free government. And so in Romans 13, he's simply telling, let every man remain subject to the original liberty. Because he uses a word that means liberty there. Not a word that means the government power, but the right to choose. And the right to choose belongs to the individual. In the kingdom of God, in the beginning of creation, they belong to the individual. You really only have two choices. You eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or you eat of the tree of life. The tree of life is the revelation of God writing upon your heart and upon your mind. That's what Christ will build his church upon. That revelation of God by the Holy Spirit 
is the rock upon which Christ is going to build his church. So I'm going to say things that are different than what you normally hear. And you may not like it. Because you want to hear what you normally hear. Uh, it may contradict what you have come to believe. I can't help that. You know, I used to believe a lot of different ways than what, you know, like other people do today. But I have, my mind has changed. I My thinking has changed. And, you know, it's not to my credit. It's it, It's a gift from God that He wants to give everybody. But you have to be willing to admit that what you think now may not be correct. So you have to be willing to question everything. So anyway, that's uh, you can go listen to that. Actually, if you join the network at preparingyou.com, we will share those audios with you by Tuesday of next week. And uh, and you'll see what we had to say in that. There's lots of audios up now, so you can, you can start your schooling right away. I got an email just before... Uh, I sat down, or just when I sat down, before I got ready for the program, and somebody wants to know how to own property, how to be a first century church in another part of the country. Well, he may want to know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but we have this all written out, explained in great detail. Now, if he were to read the book, The Free Church Report, he would get a lot of the basic information that we present to the general public. Uh, we have other, the minister's manual, that's not out there in the general public because too much knowledge is a dangerous thing and people will misuse it. People are always coming and trying to get information from us and then they want to go do their own thing. If you want to do Christ's thing, you will want to come together and be a part of a network of Christians all trying to live by faith, hope, and charity, all trying to conform to Christ. And to one degree or another, that's what everybody is going to be doing. If somebody is not really trying to conform to Christ and have got some other agenda, the fire of the Holy Spirit will drive them away. We talked about that this morning, that we know we see the word minister in the Bible. And uh, there's a couple different words that are translated in the New Testament that are translated minister. And uh, one of those is uh, diakonos which is what probably one of the most common words that are translated uh, in the Bible as uh, minister. But it is not the only word that is translated as minister. There's another one that is translated minister. It, it appears five times in the Bible. Actually, forms of it appear a lot more in the Bible. But the particular word, uh, the uh is it appears... You know, five times in the Bible, and it's composed of two words. One that means, is laos, meaning people. It's the same word that we find in Nicolaitan, that means people. Uh, Nicolaitan means conquered people, but uh, this is actually uh, workers of the people. That's actually what the two words put together to create this liturgos, is the workers of the people. It specifically had a meaning at that time. It meant public ministers, a servant of the state. It had almost a military ring to it because these were, you know, your 
your congressmen, your representatives, your senators, your members of parliament, they, they all would be considered liturgos because they were servants of the state. And, but Christ was calling people out of a system that had become corrupt. He was going to take that government away from the people who had become corrupt and he was going to appoint it to another group. He called it his little flock. And so you have other uh, liturgicos, uh, which is the word ministering, which is kind of an adjective. Liturgos is a noun. It's a masculine noun. And it, like I said, it appears five times. We'll look at some of those places. I talked about it this morning, so we won't go into as much depth. But uh, then there's uh, liturgia, which is also a noun, but it's a feminine noun. And it's translated service, ministry, or ministration. And, of course, we have a daily ministration in the Bible that they talk about. And that daily ministration is the ministers rightly dividing the bread from house to house. And the individual was writing me, wanted to be forming a church like Pentecost. Well, one of the things that if you're going to form a church like Pentecost, uh, well, I'm, I really can't put it all into this show. I mean, it had to be like a 10-hour show. And the first time I sat down in front of a bunch of ministers who wanted to know about the kingdom, seven hours later, I was still standing there talking to them, and they wanted to take a break. <laughs> But I don't need a break to talk about the kingdom. So anyway, but it's it's translated service, ministry, administration. So you think it all has to do with the church. But it actually means, this is the definition, a public office which a citizen undertakes to administer in his, at his own expense. And so it's, it is an actual public office. And... Uh, and you have to, if you went back and you looked at, you know, there were certain offices that were held in in Rome that you would hold at your own expense. You know, like a congressman in the state of Oregon, just the congressman, regular state congressman, they only get like twenty twenty six thousand dollars a year. That's not enough to live on hardly. It's poverty wages. How do they make it? Well. You, you don't realize this, but when they campaign for money, you know, like I know that the uh, governor of Oregon collected $2.6 million from vendors of the state. These are just people who have contracts with the state, you know, road people, whatever, you know, somehow they have contracts with the state. They gave $2.6 million in campaign donations to the governor. Wow, they also collected a couple billion dollars worth of revenue from the state because they work for the state. They're, you know, they're contractors with the state. I really think that's dangerous. But that's their government and they're welcome to that. That's just a fraction of what she collected. She collected millions upon millions of dollars to run her campaign. Anything she doesn't spend, she gets to keep. She can take it out of that fund and only pay taxes on it when she takes it out. So she can take it out and buy a business, take it out and do this, take it out and do that. This is why all these congressmen and senators in, in, in the Capitol are millionaires. Is because they could do that. Nobody, you can find out what that is, but nobody wants to find out. They just want to, you know, go to the game and, 
you know, watch TV and, you know, go out to eat. And, you know, I'm not going to get into all the details of the government. Well, that's why you're ripped off all the time. <laughs> you don't know what you're doing. But I'm not really interested. You know, almost all governments are corrupt because all governments are based on the concept of power. If you create offices of power, men who seek power will seek office. And they will almost always be corrupted in what we call the Saul syndrome. Saul was a great guy. He becomes a king. People give him all kinds of power. And he becomes corrupted. And he does not repent. David becomes corrupted. He does repent. But Solomon, I don't know what he did. I I know he broke every rule in the book. I mean, because you can read the book and find out. So, what did Christ do? Christ was tempted... Uh, these three temptations, we have an audio on that. We have a whole article on that. What what were those temptations? He's the king. Every time they call Jesus Christ, Christ, you're saying Jesus the anointed, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Messiah. He's the king. He's not just some prophet. He's the king of a government. He marches into Jerusalem and everybody hails him as king. Pharisees don't. They don't like it. Probably some of the Sadducees didn't like it. Maybe even some of the Essenes. But I think most of the Essenes kind of went along with it. Anyway, he had a lot of support from somebody. Because they were all hailing him as king. He goes into the temple. He's sitting in the royal treasury instructing the ministers of the royal treasury as to what to do and how money is received. And he gives a command that no vessels be carried in the temple anymore. He's the king. He fires the money changers. Only the king could do that since the days of David. Well, the king or the high priest. But the real legitimate high priest had been put into prison and had his head cut off by Herod Antipas. That was John the Baptist because his father was a high priest and died in office. That means it went to him right at the same time the Sanhedrin walks out and there is no legitimate Sanhedrin. That actually should be taking place right now in the Congress of Oregon. Because almost everybody holding office has violated the Constitution. If you want to look it up, the Constitution of Oregon, you can look up. I think it's Article 2, Section 22. They're all in violation of that. You can look it up on online and find it. And there are people in government looking to cause them all, if they are in violation, they're automatically to be removed from government. That they're all, Anything they pass now, if they're in violation, it's a matter of public record, who's in violation. As far as I've seen, as far as I've heard from people inside government, they're all in violation. But that's their government, so I stay out of it. I'm just making kind of a news report here. That's their business to organize their governments. My business to help you organize Christ's government. That that's that's my job to tell you how Christ did it at Pentecost. How why they had a Pentecost. Why this fifty days after the sacrifice, the people are all supposed to gather and organize in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, the same as they did with Moses, and the same as they did throughout the early church all over the Roman Empire and beyond. Because the kingdom of heaven is like a net, which means it's like a network. It's it's people organizing themselves in free assemblies. They had liturgios. 
they performed liturgio, liturgia. They performed that. You know, like I said, the word liturgia, which is a noun, a feminine noun, is a public office. There's also another word, which is liturgia. It would be like uh, liturgio or eo, which is eo on the end. And these endings, they tell you, like, that's a verb. And it means to serve the state at one's own cost. And a number of offices in the Roman Empire did that, a number of the offices. But they do it at their own cost, but they can be contributed to by the people. Well, in the kingdom of God, all of what you receive, other than what you produce yourself, is must be contributed by the people. I mean, you could you could write a book and make all kinds of money, but you cannot make it in your personal name. This is one of the things the Levites could not own any property in their own name. They could own all things in common, but they could not own it in their own name. Someone uh, under the Hasmoneans allowed them to do that. They weren't supposed to allow them to do that, but the Hasmoneans allowed them to do that. Even the general who came... Uh, was sent by Pompey to help out Aristobulus and Hyrcanus. They knew that they weren't supposed to do that, but they didn't want to admit it. They didn't want to do it. But Hoses, who was a Levite, realized what Jesus was saying. He agreed to it. He took the property he had. He sold it and he took the money and he gave it at the foot of the apostles. And guess what? They put him in charge of the money. So the church owned land. But it owned it for a purpose because, see, they're the entire social welfare. The daily liturgia, the daily ministration of the needy of society. That's what the early church was. It was taking care of all the welfare in the Christian community. That's what it was doing. That's that's how it operated. Now, if you, if you go to the word liturgia, which is the, the noun ministration, and you look that up, you can find every place that it appears in the Bible. Like I said, they don't always translate that word ministration, but they do in Luke, uh, where they talk about, and it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. That's where we see it actually in the gospel. We we see it in Second Corinthians nine twelve. It's translated service, the administration of his service. Now remember this is this is government services. These are state services. You know, um not only supplieth the want of the saints, that who are the saints? That's the separate ones. That's the ones called out. That's the ministers that Christ called out, said you can't own any property in your own name, but you can hold all things common. It's not the average person because, see, those ministers, what are they supposed to be doing? They're supposed to be helping set people free. How do you set people free? You make it so they don't have to go to men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. You make it so that the social welfare that they depend is uh, based on free will offerings and not forced offerings. Because Polybius told you, Plutarch told you, the greatest destroyers of liberty are the givers of gifts, gratuities, and benefits. And if the government is the provider for you, 
you're not going to be free because the government operates by force. It also operates by borrowing money against the future. And if you take any benefits, apply for any benefits from a government that is borrowing money from the future, you're a surety for debt. And of course, that's one of the things that Peter said you would be. You'd be a surety for debt. You would curse your children with that debt. And you yourself would become merchandise as a surety for debt. And that, of course, is what's happened all over the entire world. And if you want to change it, you have to repent and think differently and realize what the early church was actually doing. You know, one of the, when I first put out and caused a little bit of a stir, this, uh, somebody had asked a question about Romans 13. Well, we have all, we have a whole book on Romans 13. You can download. Uh, you don't have to check with me. It's just free online if you find it. It's the higher liberty. You can read the whole book online. You can print it out, whatever you want. You just can't print it out and start selling it to other people. We don't allow that. You could print it out and give it away, but you have to print it out in its, in its entirety. Because when you read one of the, my books, it's going to create more questions if you read it in depth. Because you're going, it's going to come into conflict with something that you already believe. Now, in most of the books, I answer all those questions. That's how the books got written. I've been doing this for near half a century. So, actually, I've been studying for way more than half a century, but, you know, this particular mission I've been on for a long time, and people have asked questions, and that's how the books get written, is answering those questions. So, most of the answers are there, but there some things will need explaining, so that's why we're here. But we, in order for us to take the time out to explain these things to you in great detail to tutor you in the ways of the kingdom, to explain these so that you're comfortable with them, because really, we don't want you following us, we want you following the Holy Spirit. But in us freely sharing with you what God has freely given us, it's going to challenge some of the things you already think are so. So anyway, for us to do that, we need to see you sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, because there's only so many hours in the day. If if you wanted me to teach, if you wanted to go to a lawyer and learn the things that we share for free, it would cost you thousands, probably tens of thousands of dollars. We wrote all this stuff out. And we took it to ter- attorneys and had them look it over just to get their opinion. It cost thousands of dollars. Fortunately, somebody else put it up because I don't have that kind of money. Because everything I have goes back into the church and I can't use money that we could use to help the poor and the needy, I can't use that for extravagances. So somebody has to come up with that support. And at the time, somebody came up with that support. And it worked. And it's often that way in the kingdom, that you get the support when you need it. When you don't need it yet, it doesn't come. But... What I see going on in the governments of the world, what I know went on at the time, you know, we talked a little about Manahan, Sanhedrin, walking out, Jesus coming along and appointing a new Sanhedrin, his 70. When they say he appointed 70, he's appointing the Sanhedrin. That's why the the number 70 was what he was, because who appointed the original Sanhedrin? It was Moses, and Jesus is sitting in the seat of Moses. He's sitting in the seat of King David. 
You know, when once John the Baptist was executed, Jesus was, was both high priest and king. John the Baptist was starting to figure this out. When he said, this is the one that comes after me, he didn't know he was the Messiah. He just knew that he was really, 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 really good guy and his cousin. And that he, he, he wasn't worthy to loosen his sandals. But he thought he was going to take on the position that John the Baptist was doing. No, he was going to take on the whole Messiah, king and high priest. And he did that to set you free, to give your family priesthood back to you, your family kingship back to you, to return every man to his family and every man to his possessions. See, now when you say that every man to his possessions, what does that mean? That's the job of the priesthood in your family. He's in charge of the the family bank, the family money. Somebody else is in charge of something else. And this is all decided by the eldest father of the family. And then he gives his sons into frank marriages and they become fathers of families. And it's a process. And, and how do those families come together without compromising that higher liberty, that higher right to choose? They come together in free assemblies. They support a safety net in a vast community through faith, hope, and charity, and that way they remain free. Otherwise, you're going to end up with Cain's and Nimrod's who are mighty providers instead of the Lord. You're going to go back into bondage. It changes you when you live by faith, hope, and charity. Modern Christians do not live by faith, hope, and charity. Most of them live by the sword because they live by the benefits provided to them by men who call themselves benefactors but don't give you anything except what they take away from others. And it's it's evidently a pretty lucrative job. The ministers at your churches, they're just there to tickle your ears. Now, to be fair, a lot of those ministers are not far from the kingdom. Many of them are actually very far from the kingdom, so far from the kingdom they're actually workers of iniquity. And some of them are blasphemers because they are lying to you about who Christ was and what he did and all that. I don't know which ones, and I don't really care because that's not my job to go out and judge them. I'm just warning you, there's a lot of wolves in sheep's clothing. I know wolves, I know coyotes, I know pumas and bobcats and mountain lions. And I know sheep because I'm a shepherd. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, a real shepherd. And so, you need to know what the structure of the kingdom is. And that structure is basically the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Why do you need to know the structure? Well, why are there phalanges in your fingers? Because it gives your muscles leverage. And that's why there are ten hundreds and thousands in the Old Testament. Christ commanded that the people be organized into the tens, hundreds, and thousands in the New Testament. It's right in there. If you haven't heard it, that's just another one of those things that people haven't heard that's right in the text. And it is certainly what they were doing at Pentecost. So if you want to know what they were doing at Pentecost, they were organizing in the tens, hundreds, hundreds and thousands in a network of free assemblies in ministered to daily by the ministers of Christ 
who were connected all across the Roman Empire through a system of charity. And there was, there was no need for some, there was the higher people in the church. James was probably the head of the church. Most of people recognize James as the head of the church. But he wasn't, you know, sending out encyclicals. That's not what the head of the church does. He doesn't send out orders and commands and alter the teachings of Christ. He's just like you. How does he get to that higher position? Because he's the best servant of servants of servants of servants. That's what Jesus, the highest amongst you is as a servant to all. And how does he get to be a servant? You choose your minister. You look out amongst yourselves and you pick the ministers you want. And those ministers pick the ministers they want. And you connect one another in a voluntary network. A voluntary free assembly. And you you care not only about your assembly... You have to care about the next assembly as much as you care about your own. So you would, you would give contributions to your minister who serves other ministers throughout the network. And, you know, it, nobody is in charge of 500 people. Nobody is, you know, like we talked this morning, there are no arches in the kingdom. The only arche is the word that they often translate into ruler. Sometimes it's translated in prince. But uh, there are no, none of those because we are forbidden to exercise authority one over the other. So we have to gather together in these free assemblies and voluntarily work together and come into, those ministers need to come into one accord. And then when you come into that one accord, then you get into the area of the Holy Spirit and fire. Because remember, we're supposed to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And I read this morning one of those quotes that uh, talk about that, which is Hebrews 1.7, and it uses that word, uh, liturgos. And the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels spirits, and his ministers a flame of fire. A minister becomes a flame of fire. What the heck is that? Well, you know, we hear talk of this holy fire above the heads of the apostles. And people say, well, that's the baptism of fire. Is that what that is? Because you're supposed to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So what is this flame of fire? Well, I'm not going to tell you entirely, but I'll hint around at it a little bit. This flame of fire is is an actual power. If you if you forgive your enemy, what's supposed to happen? Hot coals will be heaped upon his head. That's what it says. Hot coals will be it will be like hot coals heaped upon his head. If if you this is how you cast out demons. I tell people this is that you you project the love of Christ in the direction of the demon. You don't judge him. You don't even command them. Christ will command them. You might say something that sounds like a command to the people around about you. But what? It's not your will that does it. It's not your power that does it. It's the power of Christ. The same power can heal too. But Jesus didn't go around saying, I healed you. He said, your faith healed you. Because, see, you can't... That If, if you receive that flame of fire and you hate it, you hate God, 
It will drive you away. It will stop. It will stop a riotous mob. It will stop a, an authoritarian judge. It will stop the hierarchy in the state capitol building and he will bow down to the Holy Spirit. It will do those things. I know it will do those things. But that same fire can actually heal people. But they have to be willing to receive it, see? Because if you're not willing to receive the truth, can you handle the truth was one of the last uh, kind of titles to the show. Can you handle the truth? If you can't handle the truth, the truth will not heal you. It will be like that flame of fire, that hot coal upon your head. And it will drive you away. This is how you pick your congregation. Not by the knowledge of men. Not by the knowledge of good and evil. Not by flesh and blood. You but the, by the Holy Spirit. You know how you pick that? You go into a room with other people and you sit down there and you pray in your heart that the Holy Spirit enter in there and pick the people who should stay and drive away the people who should leave. You don't have to do it. You have to let the Holy Spirit do it. You're, so many people want to go out there and fix things and rule things. You just do what God puts before you with love and patience. But, again, that Holy Spirit, that holy muscle of God needs leverage and you need structure. And that's why Christ commanded his disciples to make the people sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands because that's the structure. That's the bones. Can these bones live? Remember that prophecy? Are you familiar with that? Can these bones live? I was going to go into, uh, you know, because the Romans thirteen six, Romans fifteen sixteen, Philippians two twenty five, as well as Hebrews eight two, all use this word naturgos. But uh, I, I'm I'm going to leave that because we're going to run out of time if I if I don't uh, go on to some of these other things. But we'll go on to the bones. Uh, can these bones live? Can you remember where that is in the Bible? What part of the Bible that you'll find that in? Well, uh, I will let you go and see if you can find that out while we take a break, because I'm sure I've already gone over my time for <laughs> break. <laughs> well, welcome back. Uh, dry bones. So what are the dry bones all about in uh, Ezekiel 37.1? The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out into the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones. So, and and can those bones live? And can those bones stand up again? And of course, that's what the prophecy is all about. And so you can go look it up now that I told you about where it is. What you could also do is go to Preparing You because we have an article called Dry Bones and it will tell you a lot about that. If you, uh, I could think of lots of other quotes that I could slip into that article that I haven't because I try to keep the articles, believe it or not, I try to keep them somewhat short. But uh, in Proverbs, it says, A merry heart doth 
good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. And that's, of course, what we're talking about is dry bones. And that's where the, the people are because the people are oppressed. The people are in bondage. The people have become merchandise. They have been cursed with debt. They are caused to work daily. You know, we could get into the mark of the beast and find out what they mean by this grievous sore, which has to do with labors. But the answer, and uh, we had, like I said, a number of people responding to the original post that I sent out to the whole network. And some of them responded with some of these web pages that are talking about all kinds of things, but they're not talking about the critical element of repentance. They're talking about what they don't like. They're talking about what they regret and they don't want to be a part of. But they don't, repentance isn't about regret. Repentance is about thinking a different way. And thinking about the kingdom of God as a real government for the living now. A network of ministers that are laying down their life daily, providing a, a social network of welfare that strengthens the poor. That's a different animal than what, what people are often looking for and imagining when they talk about going uh, to church. A sound heart is the life of the flesh, but envy the rottenness of the bones. You know, they talk about that. that you know, these are proverbs. The virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she maketh ashamed is uh, as rottenness in his bones. What woman? You know, I mean, most people don't know Proverbs mentions women or woman more than any other book of the Bible. But it's really not about women. It's about the church. <laughs> of course, in Revelation, the the harlot, which is a woman, is riding the back of the beast. Beasts are governments that exercise authority. There's another kind of government that is a beast. It's a lamb. But it's a lion lays down with the lamb. The lion, you know... We have a, my daughter, when she was real young, she took a picture and she won first place at the county fair. Or I don't know, maybe just a blue ribbon uh, at the county fair. And uh, the picture was a picture of our German shepherd dog laying out in the yard. And all the bummer lambs were around him and on him and laying on him. They were all sleeping there. There was a pile of lambs in between his legs and by his head and leaning against him and they were all sleeping there together. That's the lion laying down with the lamb. You need to lay down with Christ. And that that begins, you know, like I've I've been a firm believer that if you go to church, you should be able to fall asleep in church without guilt. <laughs> because that's uh, it should be so comfortable there that you it it is rest for your soul. That's not what most people go there for. In Isaiah thirty eight uh, thirteen it says, "I reckon till morning that as a lion so will he break all my bones, from day even to night, wilt thou make an end of me." So that's actually what evil wants to do is make an end of you. But the lion of God wants to protect you. 
But you have to let him in. And the way you let him in, because he's not going to hear your voice, because you've already done, you know, you've made other men rulers over you. See, this is one of the things they want to say. Oh, no, Romans 13 is it's just about obeying the government. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Christ, the kingdom of God, is a government. It, yeah, you should not disobey the government, but we talked about this morning. You're supposed to be friends with the unrighteous mammon so that you have more righteous habitations. Is mammon a habitation? It's actually a trust. It's entrusted wealth. And if you're merchandise in the unrighteous mammon, you're part of that entrusted wealth. You belong to them. I want you to belong to God. If you want to belong to God, you have to turn around and think a different way and start thinking about caring for one another in righteousness. Not just creating some secure place or hideout that you can go to and be separate when all heck breaks loose and uh, the beast goes around devouring who he will. You want, you want to be doing what Christ, you want Christ as your ally. So that you have access or the, it has access through you, that fire, that, that fire of the spirit that will protect you. And, and you really don't even think in terms of protecting you. You think in terms of protecting others. You want to be a refuge for others, a basra for others. And we really need to get going on this because it's time. <laughs> so, if you're not sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, and don't give me any complaints about, well, they're not quite like that, you know, they don't make me feel good. No. Christ makes you feel good. You just sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands as if you cared about others as much as you care about yourself. That means you're not going to leave as soon as you have a, your first uh, disagreement. Because, you know, in Ezekiel 24.10, it says... Heap on wood, kindle the fire, consume the flesh, the, and spice it well, and let the bones be burned. Well, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> That's in, in 24. It's in uh, 37 that we start getting to the, uh, the, the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me. Ezekiel is one of those prophets. He actually... I mean, he was like a time traveler prophet. I mean, he saw things that other people don't see. I'm not quite that. I do see things that other people don't see, and I'm talking to you about them, and I'm hoping you start seeing them too. But uh, I'm not a prophet like Ezekiel by any means. I, I, You know, if I'm a prophet at all, it's by the grace of God. I mean, obviously, you know, you don't, you, you want to, you could be a prophet if you just study history honestly. Because whatever happened in the past, you're going to do it again. Man repeats himself over and over and over again. So, anyway, this the dry bones is because there's structure in the kingdom. And there's structure in bone. Bones are the structure of man. But bones aren't the flesh. Bones aren't the spirit of man. That's, that's another whole ball game. So, and cause me to pass by them round about. When he was taken to this place, this valley of bones. And behold, there was very many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. (laughs) So these are really dry bones. 
And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? So this is like a pop quiz from God, you know. He's saying, can these bones live? And I look out in the world, I see a lot of dry bones. Uh, not to be judgmental or anything, but there's a lot of people hurting. They, they, well, you know, this whole Jordan Peterson thing, the phenomena that's going on. Men are waking up to something, you know, responsibility. That's what he's selling. And it's selling big that men are actually, you know, going out and starting to become responsible and changing their life. This is just a part of the process of repentance, of waking up and and acting. So, you know, that's one of the things. What do you do after you've made your bed and cleaned up your room? (laughs) So, Well, now you can start seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now you go out and in global warming, you know, uh, it, it's just recently come out that the guys who were setting up the monitors to see if there was actual global warming up in the north, they admit that they fudged on the the way they set up the monitors because they if they didn't come back with evidence of global warming, they would lose their funding. So, you know, so much for global warming. And billions of dollars are going to be confiscated from the pockets of the people because of this, we're we're really on the verge of global cooling. That's the real danger: is global cooling. Uh, carbon dioxide is not a bad thing. We just had NASA come out just a, a short time ago and said the world is greener than it was 20 years ago. Why? This was actually predicted by people who say, you know, top weather scientists, award-winning weather scientists, professors said that global warming is a hoax. And they said, carbon dioxide is good because the planet will become greener. NASA just came out and said the planet is greener. Visibly greener. Because carbon dioxide causes plants to grow. It's a good thing. They're going to put that carbon back into the roots, back into the soil. The more carbon you have, that this the earth is self-balancing. The same as I, I pointed out, you know, the giant oil spill. Not a good thing to have a giant oil spill. Happens all the time. Will happen again. Even without drilling, it will happen because the earth will fracture and it will spill. But they were talking like it was the end of humanity. It was going to kill the, you know, the jet streams because it was going to kill the currents in the ocean and, you know, all the fish would be dead in six months to a year and everything. Now they can't find what happened to the oil spill. It disappeared. Because nature has a way. People don't understand nature. Part of the reason they don't understand nature is because they can't see the God who made it. They can only see nature in a test tube, which is gives you tunnel vision. You can't see what's really going on. I tell you, if you repent and sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and start caring for other people as much as you care for yourself, God will open up your eyes. I don't care if you're a physicist or a mechanic or whatever you are. God will open your eyes and he will make things different. Uh, he will make you see things different. Things that you looked at a hundred times, well, all of a sudden you go like, oh, I get why that is. You'll be a better mechanic. You'll be a better farmer. You'll be a better shepherd. You'll be a better husband, be a better wife, 
because God will begin to his light, his it won't be just the candle, it will be a fire will start to burn in you and starting to awaken you. If you keep making excuses why you can't sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands like Christ commanded, you're going to keep floundering around wondering what is what. And you don't want that. So, anyway, in verse 3, And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? Can the can we see the life come back into the kingdom? Can people stand up? And he says, Thus saith the Lord God, Unto the bones. So God's speaking to the bones. is isn't Jordan Peterson. It isn't me. It's got to be God speaking to you in your dry bones. This is how he begins to speak to your heart and to your mind. Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and you, ye shall live. What's that? A message of hope. And I'm telling you that this hope is out there. But don't believe me. I want you to listen to God tell you this. In your heart and your mind. Do you, and it, and you have to act upon what he's saying. So in verse six, and I will lay sinews upon you, and you will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So can God enrich you? To do his will, can give you the skin, the, the, the flesh, the sinew, so that you will have that on your dry bones. Can he do that? Yes, he can do that. But you gotta be like the prodigal son, you gotta be handing back, coming back to be a servant. So I prophesied, as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bones to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, sinew and flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them, because he hasn't breathed in them. He, He talked before about that he would breathe in them. But you don't breathe into a skeleton because there's no, there's no lungs, there's no flesh. And then he said unto me, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, and they, that they may live. So I prophesied, and he commanded, as he commanded me to do. And the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood up upon their feet, and Exceeding great army. And he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, Our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. So what is Israel? Israel is a place where God prevails. And if God does not prevail in your heart, then you are not a part of Israel. If God does prevail in your heart, you are a part of Israel. Know that. That you are the land of Israel. That's not a location. It's not here. It's not there. It's you. You are living, breathing dirt. You have to let the Holy Spirit in. Now, what's that going to look like? 
the leverage of the Spirit needs you to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And, and you, you take account of one another because you care about one another. This is the prophecy that you need to be a part of because this is the prophecy that was talking about the salvation of mankind. Now, Ezekiel prophesied 600 years before Christ. And some of the time that Ezekiel was prophesying, he was talking about our time. This is the kind of prophet he is. Now, all the prophets weren't doing that. They weren't all... all, A lot of the quotes that people use in the New Testament, they think they're talking about our time. And in some ways they are, but in some ways they were talking about back then. You know, the fall of Jerusalem and all these things they were talking about. But history repeats itself. So sometimes, and there's ways to look when you see the words, you'll see, wait a minute, that this is... He's prophesying for then and for now. And unfortunately, most people are going to these blind guides who don't get it, don't know how it works, don't know how it all fits together. But anyway, you got to come and join us on the network. Find out who you can sit down with and sit down with them and start loving them as much as you love yourself. Start networking together because the kingdom of heaven is like a network. It's like a net. And... Hopefully, we'll meet together in the kingdom. Until then, peace on your house and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.